Once again, the final in Philly. 4-3 Canes in overtime on a President's Day matinee at the Wells Fargo Center. This is not Hurricanes Live. I apologize to those looking forward to Hurricanes Live. Brett Pesci gets your winner. This is indeed Tim and Friends. I'm Tim McAuliffe. Jesse Rubinoff is over there, and we are with you on Sportsnet. President's Day, of course, just one of a poop load of holidays across North America today. So we want to wish our friends south of the border a happy President's Day. And all us knuckleheads, well, a happy Louis Real Day, Islander Day, Nova Scotia Heritage Day, and Family Day to all you watching at home. All right, that might be more ridiculous than Mary Philippe Poulain's clutch gene, but all those holidays have also gifted us with some afternoon delights in the National Hockey League. We have got all the relevant news and highlights on the way as we here on Tim and Friends will take you right up until the Leafs and Habs on hometown hockey. That's right, one of the best rivalries in all of sports is coming up, so do us a favor. Lay the remote down. Jesse and I have got you covered until 6.30 Eastern on Sportsnet and 7 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 360. So without further ado from your humble narrator, let's get it started, James Harden, with a little thing we call First Things First. That's right. First Things First. Three games in the NHL this afternoon, highlighted by an all-Canadian matchup on Sportsnet West right now as the Flames are hosting the Jets, about to start the third period of play. Calgary... I'm going to match a franchise best with a 10th straight win. That's right. The Flames have won nine in a row, and they turn to their brilliant keeper, Jacob Markstrom, once again. It was nil-nil after one, and they get on the board in the second due to Flames. Puck ahead to Sean Monaghan. He goes top corner past Connor Hellebuck. It is one nothing for the Flames later in the frame. Here come the Jets, but Hell excuse me, Markstrom closing the door, making the big save off of Nate Schmidt. Jets keep coming. Neil Pion shot Dominic Toninato, gets a piece, his fifth of the season, off the post, past Markstrom. We are tied at one. Later in that frame, Matthew Kuchuk shot, takes a deflection. Elias Lindholm, he has been on absolute fire, gets his 23rd, appears to extend his goal streak to eight games. But to quote Nate Dogg, hold up. Hey, they review for offside it is waved off so we remain knotted at one through two periods of play as mentioned they are just underway in the third period i said that one of three let's continue on avalanche and bruins the first of the afternoon we flash back to pasternak hat trick against the flyers outdoors and looking good before you guys asked me to the media so i was kind of dancing with his glasses out in the locker room and, and then you guys ruined it and I had to go answer the question so I missed the Barbie girl song and uh, you know who knows what's going to be on when I come back. Exactly one year ago today he was dancing the Barbie girl in those glasses he would be dancing again because let me tell you something Pasternak look at this move he is stopped on that one by Darcy Kempker but he wouldn't be stopped often in this game later in the frame off the turnover Charlie McAvoy, centering pass, will deflect right to Pasternak, one time bulging the twine. one nothing Bruins after one, second period. Oh, nice. Very nice. Got the glasses again. Second period, now 2-1 Taylor Hall. This time the tee-up, and again, one time bulging the twine. And once again, Pasternak, cool as a cucumber. I like those ones better. You like those ones better two, yeah, than the Yeah, two-color, yeah. I, I did like the original Bret Hart. Oh, or yeah. at least Hart Foundation-like glasses. Mm -hmm. uh, the Bruins like this. It was a 5-1 final. Pasternak, three points 
on the day as they beat a pretty damn good Avalanche squad. All right, the game that you just saw, we pick it up. Nil-nil second period. Puck takes a weird bounce off the boards, misses two guys. Nino Niederreiter is Nino on the spot. Taps it in for a 1-0 Carolina lead. Still in the second, Andre Svechnikov centers for Taro Taravainen. He extends his point streak to six games, 10 of his last 11. It's 2-1 Hurricanes. Late in the third period, Philly down 3-2. Travis Sanheim through traffic. Puck goes in off Oscar Lindblom. They count it, and we go to overtime. And in overtime, this was entertaining. I'll be honest, Jesse, we're kind of excited. Yeah, we were watching here. it in here. Uh, Trocek, Brett Pesci knocks it out of midair, takes it down, and goes top shelf for the winner. Hard to believe that's just his fourth of the year, getting past Martin Jones. Hurricanes win! 4-3 is the final. So, Rubinoff, we got a plethora of hockey on yeah. this President's Day slash every other day in Canada. What jumps out to you the most as we begin first things first with live highlights? <sighs> From those? I think we weaved a wonderful story with David Pasternak there and the sunglasses. I thought it was a really well done highlight pack. Not to diminish any of the other ones, but that was really well done. It was really well done, and it was a big win for the Bruins, who don't score a lot of goals often, but they did in this one. But we have to kind of shift focus, and I know that those <laughs> who are, are watching or fans of the Flames and Jets are probably mm -hmm. watching this game locally in their markets, but to have the Calgary Flames looking for a 10th straight win against the Winnipeg Jets tonight and to see Lindholm almost do it again. Uh, it's an interesting little run by the Calgary Flames who were playing Daryl Sutter like hockey. Yeah, okay. But have added the ability to score goals. Not doing it right now. It's 1-1 game into the third period. But they have added the ability to win some fire wagon hockey as much as it pisses off Daryl Sutter. They have been, I mean, they, they for me have been one of the better teams I guess in the league, you could say, both ways uh, the whole year. But they are really putting together something special right now, obviously. We missed uh, a lot over the two weeks. Yeah. And the Calgary Flames story is just one. So uh, why don't we keep the NHL talk going? Okay. Uh, some news that happened while we were off, because we were off for two weeks. The Oilers replaced Dave Tippett with Jay Woodcroft behind the bench. The Habs fired Dominic Ducharme and named Martin St. Louis interim head coach. And the Flames, you talked about it, nine in a row heading into today. Elias Lindholm almost scoring again. Uh, Tim, of these stories, yeah. what is the biggest deal to you? I, I'm not going to answer the Toronto Maple Leafs goaltending situation because I have a feeling that we're not going to agree upon that <laughs> until the playoffs start. We can't talk about the Leafs until the playoffs. <laughs> we're not allowed to walk down the... I mean, Jack Campbell looked fantastic against the Penguins, then gives up five goals to St. Louis. He's given up five goals in two of his last four. <laughs> that debate... In Leafsland, you and I, we're just going to step back, watch it happen. If it goes crazy one way or the other, we will react. But until then, we're just waiting to the postseason. Yeah. So I'm going to say that the correct answer is Alberta. And I know I'm kind of side-dooring this one a little bit <laughs> by okay. saying Alberta. But the two stories in Alberta are unbelievable. Let's start with the Calgary Flames, the nine-game winning streak. And the best part of this, I'm going to read to you a quote. Now listen. The Flames going into today's game had allowed a league low 113 goals. They have won nine straight games. I'm going to read to you a quote from Daryl Sutter. When you start thinking you can play pretty and pass in front of the net, you lose. You lose momentum, you lose possession, you lose zone time, and that's trickled in and out of our game. We've had to move guys around and try and straighten that out. That is a constant 
you have to continue to have your finger on it. That's a team that leads the NHL in goals against, riding a nine-game winning streak, and their head coach has got them primed enough that he can go out in the media and talk about what they're not doing right. Correct me if, if you think I'm wrong, but coming into the year, I think the concern for the Flames, given who their head coach was, was whether they were going to get enough offense. And what they have gotten is that they might very well have the best line in hockey. Like Johnny Goudreau, yeah. you can make an argument that he deserves some. He's not going to win the Hart Trophy, but he deserves consideration. some consideration for the Hart Trophy. And you look at what that line has done. I mean, they, they haven't, I can't even remember the last time they've had a slump because they have been on fire this last stretch of two, three weeks. Um, so I didn't even I, mention, like, Lindholm's the number one star of the week. It's crazy. And he's been on fire. He's got goals in seven straight, almost had eight straight, yeah. which would have tied a franchise record, except by Kent Nielsen and Gary Roberts. I mean, they, they are an all-around team. And if you, like, it's been proven. If, if you get on a roll with Daryl Sutter, you got a good goalie, you can do damage in the postseason. And you look at this team and you think, it's kind of sort of built for the playoffs. And they got better, too, with the Tyler Toffoli deal, right? Yep. I mean, that's, that's yep. something that we haven't really dis- – well, we've been on the air for 10 minutes and we haven't brought Tyler Toffoli's name up. But that's one of the marquee deals that we've seen ahead of the trade deadline and something that the Flames, I think, their fan base wanted was to get a little bit deeper within that top six. And now you have that addition. And it looks like the, they're just a train that doesn't look like it's going to slow down anytime soon because they're, they're doing it on both ends of the ice. Now, I did say Alberta, and let me finish the second half yep. of that answer. The Edmonton Oilers starting 5-0 and under Jay Woodcroft, who, by the way, uh, went to Annunciation Catholic School and Senator O'Connor Catholic Look School you. with yours truly, uh, although I will be fair to Jay, he is one year younger than me. Only one has a national TV <laughs> show, though, I'll tell you that. Yeah, and only one of them is the, uh, the head coach of it. <laughs> we're actually grade school valedictorians one after another what? at Annunciation. I was the valedictorian in grade eight with a 63 average, which made no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I don't believe that. That, that can't be true. <laughs> it's true. That is God's honest truth. I was in a French and English class, mm. and I told my French teacher, uh, Salvador Philippe, that I had to go write my valedictory speech. And he laughed at me and told me to sit down because <laughs> he didn't believe that I was the valedictorian. And after I was valedictorian, Jay Woodcroft What's was valedictorian average? at Annunciation. So shout out Jay for getting this job, and it's been a long road for him. But the 5-0 and start is interesting to me. When he was named the head coach, I said to you, the situation remains the same. I love that they... Even though they made a change, they kept it consistent. And yep. for those who don't know, he was in the AHL with Bakersfield before he took the job on. And for me, that was a little bit of a consistent move for a team that hasn't had any consistency. And the 5-0 and start was great. But what I said to you when they hired him is the situation remains the same. They still need a goalie, and they still need defense. And I might be able to um, excuse Mike Smith and the Oilers for a 7-3 whooping that they took last night. A lot night. of games in few nights. It was their fifth game yeah. in seven nights. Yeah. And they came out flat, and it was obvious. But they've had runs before. When Ken Hitchcock took over, they went 9-1 and one to start. Yeah. When Dave Tippett took over, they went 8-1 and one to start. And so here comes a road trip, their next three games, now in that murderer's row that is Tampa, Florida, Carolina. In... The situation, I listen, I think Jay Woodcroft is going to do a wonderful job, and not because I know him, but because I think he's got them back to thinking about this in smaller pictures. They're a good team. They have great talent. 
And what happens oftentimes in Canadian markets is you get swallowed up by what happens all around you instead of just focusing on game to game, whether or not you're good or not. And what happens in the postseason when teams make runs is they forget all the noise. Yeah. Edmonton needs to forget all the noise. They also need a goaltender or help on defense. And that's been the case the entire time. And I don't care if it's Ken Hitchcock or Dave Tippett or the valedictorian at Annunciation Catholic School. After me, I think Ken Holland needs to do something. <laughs> and he's already said money for money. I don't know how they do this, but they need to do something. Uh, so you might say high marks for Jay Woodcroft so far? Higher marks than me. Yeah. Higher marks than me. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, okay, shout out to the Montreal Canadiens also who with Martin St. Louis playing their, I guess you could say, best hockey of yeah. the year, we'll back-to-back to back to, wins. We'll talk to Eric Engels yeah. about the season-high two-game winning That's streak ugly. from the Montreal That's Canadiens ugly. as they face the Montreal, excuse me, as they face the Toronto Maple Leafs. Habs Leafs tonight right here on Sportsnet. Ron McLean, Tara Sloan coming up, Eric Engels coming up. We'll have a time. Okay, so the reason we were off, uh, the Olympics happened. Right. The Beijing 2022 Olympics, and they are now in the books. Canada coming away with 26 total medals, four of which are gold. One of those gold medals coming from the women's hockey team. Uh, to me, gotta ask, as this got a lot of buzz, obviously for good reason, was the marquee event of the Olympics for you? Yes, without a doubt hands down and I think the time shifting from Beijing to the Eastern and Pacific time zones uh, forced a lot of people to kind of scramble for where stuff was mm -hmm. but without a doubt women's hockey was the marquee event and this show's love for women's hockey goes back a couple years uh, in fact beyond the gold medal in the face oh! Oh! what what Now, because on this show we do this crazy thing where we enjoy sports, women's hockey has been a part of it. We enjoy sports. It's pretty simple. But every once in a while when we talk about women's hockey or women's basketball or women's soccer, especially in this day and age, someone screams something to get attention. Whether it's someone on Twitter yelling into the oblivion, oblivion that no one cares about women's sports or, God forbid, uttering amongst the dumbest and overused phrases of the 2020s, virtue signaling. Like, hey, you people trying to signal the others that human beings and being a good human being should count for something. Shame on you! But no matter if it's Johnny13698 on Twitter or someone with a bigger platform doing the exact same thing, screaming for attention, it baffles me at how many people line up to give that attention to them. That's literally what feeds them. The clicks, that attention literally feeds the algorithm, makes it trend and gives the screamer the attention they wanted to start, meaning they've won even before they lose. And my God, did they lose. Imagine someone saying that women's hockey didn't belong in the Olympics, then watching as not only, we don't have the final numbers, but an average of over 2 million, average of over 2 million people watched live on English television in Canada at 11.15 p.m. Eastern for puck drop and beyond. In the United States, it was the most watched hockey game this season Period. NHL, Winter Classic, whatever. It had the second most viewers for any hockey game since 2019, following only Tampa's 
cup clincher. Like, forget about betting on women. The bet has already been cashed. The answer is, what's next? And here, from a hardcore sports fan's point of view, we say simply, a sustainable pro league. I know we don't do this enough these days, but let's just follow the numbers. It's a tap-in, period. Agree? A hundred percent. The numbers don't lie. You just made that case. The numbers do not lie. And it's not going to be the same. Like, you're not going to get millions of people watching a pro league for every game, just like it's not the same for Canada and the United States in a men's best-on-best uh, best Olympic final. But the numbers will be there. If you build it, they will come. And it's obvious that there's enough of a base of an audience there for you to build it. Congratulations to Canadian women. Oh, again. Like, and the skill was ridiculous. Who, like, who is Mary-Philippe Poulain? Not human, I guess. It's ridiculous what she's able to do in clutch games Amazing. and other two goals in the gold medal game. All right, after the break, we'll get you set for the Leafs and Habs as a part of Rogers' hometown hockey. The Toronto Maple Leafs trying to bounce back from a shaky defensive performance on Saturday night, though Jesse doesn't want to hear it. The Habs, they've won two in a row for the first time all season. Eric Engels will join us from the rink in Montreal to discuss it all next, right here. Tim and Friends on Sports. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much. Sheepdogs back here on uh, this post-game edition of Tim and Friends. Back for our, our Olympic hiatus. We're here with you for another half an hour on Sportsnet before Ron McLean and Tara Sloan take over with Rogers Hometown Hockey, followed by the Leafs and the Canadians from Montreal. Now, full hour. We're available on Sportsnet 360, including some NBA All-Star talk and the latest on Major League Baseball's labor negotiations. So if you're looking for the full sporting fair, we will get there on Sportsnet 360. Make sure you flip over. President's Day in the United States, and while it's Family Day in a few provinces here in Canada, we've got some afternoon hockey for your viewing pleasure. We showed you the highlights a short time ago. But here are the scores from today. The Bruins took care of the Az 5-1. Pasternak with three points, including two goals in that one. Canes needed overtime, but they did take care of the Flyers, winning 4-3. Brett Pesci, the winner. And right now, Flames and Jets tied on Sportsnet West. 1-1 late in the third period. As mentioned, the Leafs and the Habs following us up. On Sportsnet, there will be 10,000 fans allowed in the stands tonight. First time. Bell Center will host fans in over two months. First time for Marty St. Louis. Leafs will start Peter Morazic in that as they try and bounce back from a 6-3 loss to the Blues on Saturday night. New acquisition, Ilya Labushkin won't debut tonight. He will join the Leafs tomorrow in Columbus. Well, Ryan Dezingle was put on waivers and already claimed by the Sharks. Habs won two in a row for the first time all season under new head coach Marty St. Louis. Leafs coach Sheldon Keith knows the Habs won't be an easy matchup tonight. 
what naturally happens a lot of times in those coaching changes is that it just gives the room a boost, the, the, the morale increases. And now for, for a team like Montreal here, what they've been going through, that goes a long way. So from that morale boost, from being back and playing in front of fans here tonight, all those kind of things, uh, you know, we, they've won two in a row coming in. And, you know, so all those things have gotten our attention. Um, and, and, of course, through all of this, we haven't forgotten that, you know, there's there's 11 out of the 18 skaters that'll be on the ice tonight that knocked us out of the playoffs last year. So lots of reasons for us to be focused and committed to playing our, our best game. So the Leafs lost to St. Louis on Saturday. And now they face St. Louis, as in Martin St. Louis, and the winners of a season high two in a row. Joining me now from the Bell Center in La Belle Province is my friend and yours, Eric Engels. Eric, how are you? Thanks for doing this. I'm doing great. Welcome back. Thank you. Good to be back. And I know when. I ask about atmosphere, you absolutely love it, but does it feel a little bit different with some fans milling about again? It's going to, and I would suggest that if this had happened a couple of weeks ago, I'm not sure 10,000 would want to be here, but the team looks like a totally different team uh, uh, under new coach Martin St. Louis, as Sheldon Keefe just alluded to, and I think uh, they're in for a show tonight. You know, the Canadians are coming off playing yesterday. The Leafs are rested. It's going to be a factor considering the Leafs are a much better team than the Canadians, but the energy with which the Canadians are playing lately, it's, uh, it's delivering a different product, and I think fans are going to be excited about that. So what's been the biggest difference under Martin St. Louis? Well, in his words, it's mental engagement on the defensive side of the puck, but really, you know, here's a guy who's been talking nonstop about concepts instead of systems, about playing on top of your man, about making reads uh, and reading off of each other and just playing on instinct. And when you do that, it's the game starts to become a lot more fun. You start to trust yourself a little bit more. You start to be a little more confident. And we're seeing that throughout the Canadians lineup, whether it's Cole Caulfield, who's an obvious, you know, he's he's gone, I think it's now four, four points or five points in four games under Martin St. Louis. Jeff Petrie looks like his old self after a real struggle throughout the beginning of the season up until the day Dominic Ducharme was fired. And even through the first couple of games of Martin St. Louis behind the bench, Jeff Petrie just looks like a totally different player. Looks more like himself, like the guy who scored over 40 points over the last, uh, you know, three seasons. Those are the obvious guys, but everybody just seems to be walking a little taller on this team right now. It's funny, I was doing my angles reading last night. Great story on Gorton and where Montreal is going. We'll get to that. But here's another gem. The Canadians achieved their first two consecutive wins of the 2021-22 season with Martin St. Louis as the head coach. And due to excellent goaltending performances from Samuel Montembeau and Andrew Hammond. I mean, this is all crazier than Miles Garrett's athleticism, isn't it? It's a little nuts. You know, if you had told me before the season uh, that I'd be writing a sentence like that, <laughs> I would have, uh, on one hand, I would have looked at those three names and said, okay, this kind of makes sense that it took 50 games and something must have gone terribly wrong for it to happen with Montambo and Hammond as the one-two punch and St. Louis behind the bench. Um, but on the other, I mean, just putting those three names in the same sentence with the Montreal Canadiens before the season was unfathomable. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's in a season full of twists and turns. That was a pretty big one. All right, so the Leafs come to town a little bit of a, a wounded animal here after a loss to the Blues. Mrazek Motambo tonight. Kind of crazy that these two teams haven't met since opening night. And you had a real close look at that series last year. Do you feel like this is a different Leafs team coming to town tonight? Feels like years ago. Uh, <laughs> Let me, let me think about it. Um, <laughs> do I feel like it's a different Leafs team? You know what? I felt they were a different Leafs team last year when I was watching them 
uh, tighten up defensively and play a certain style, and then the playoffs happen and things devolve from there. You know, I think the move to get Libushkin is a very interesting one. It speaks to a bit of a philosophical shift for the Leafs. And I'm not saying he's not a skilled player. You know, he's an underrated player. I think he's been underwatched in a place like uh, Arizona. But, yeah. you know, I've been saying for weeks that if Ben Chirot was going to get traded, that the Leafs should be first in line if they've had a bit of a philosophical shift and understand what's kind of been missing there as dynamic. They need that kind of physical presence, and Bushkin brings it, you know, and, and as a right-handed shot and not a lefty like Chirot playing on the other side. So I think it's an interesting dynamic here. We're going to see how different they are when the games get tight and uh, hard to play. Um, obviously, St. Louis, a bit of a wake-up call. We know the Leafs are a really good team, so I expect them to bounce back tonight. And we'll see. You know, no one's going to judge them based on what they do in the regular season. We all know that. We knew that going into the season. We'll see what they look like in the playoffs. But if they keep adding that kind of component, but one that kind of fits with what they're doing. You know, people yeah. criticized them for Felino last year. I thought that was a very progressive, smart move by them because for as advanced as they are off the ice, you know, on the ice, the game hasn't necessarily caught up to where they want it to be in terms of the skill they have. It just so happened Felino wasn't healthy and he got hurt. So Agreed. I think this is a move kind of in that blueprint. I agree. Uh, I thought the Gorton story that you did was very interesting. Everything from what the Habs were eating, literally, to an actual analytics department. What did you think was the most intriguing from what was a pretty deep dive with the team? Well, you know, this whole story was the genesis of it was really me observing this team all season long and saying there no, there can't be possibly be this bad. I mean, it's it's just not possible. And yes, you can look at all the reasons for why it is that Carey Price hasn't been here all year. Shea Weber, Joel Edmondson, Paul Byron until recently. Uh, all the COVID, all the injuries, and you know some coaching that obviously wasn't good enough. But it just wasn't good enough to explain what was going on. There had to be other things going on off the ice. I spoke to a ton of people, uh, and they painted quite a picture of, of where the team was at, living on its reputation of being the New York Yankees of hockey, but not operating like the New York Yankees of hockey. And, you know, maybe the fans let them get away with it for too long. Maybe they bought their own Kool-Aid, drunk their own Kool-Aid a little bit too long. But whatever happened... Jeff Molson made a realization here and said things need to change, not just on the ice, but off of it. And bringing in a guy like Jeff Gordon, who's coming from the New York Rangers and the Boston Bruins and the way they've spent off the ice, you know, he's going to find a way to modernize the Canadians in several different ways from amateur scouting, pro scouting, player development, which is the really the big one, and uh, an in-house analytics department, whereas they've been outsourcing that for a really long time. Outside of all that, it's about how you treat your players and all the special things you could do for people that come to the Canadians and say, yeah, these are the New York Yankees of hockey and this is what they're doing for us. And I don't, I'm not going to say that it's all bad. You know, they've got a world-class practice facility that other teams dream they, they would have. Um, but there's more that you can do and it's 2022 and it takes time to catch up. And I think the Leafs are a model franchise when it comes to this type of stuff. They really figured it out off the ice. Now it's time for the Canadians to do it and they plan on doing it quick. Hey, we only got about 30 seconds left here, but do you think these two teams could do some business before we get to the deadline? Well, if they're still interested in obviously defense, possibly a guy like Sherrod is, is interesting to them, but I'm not entirely sure. There's a big market for Ben Sherrod, and yeah. I expect that move to potentially go down soon. And I think if you're Toronto, you know, they're trying to clear out some cap room. I think, you know, you're going to see some names potentially move out of there so they could do that and make another big addition before the deadline. But we're probably looking at the last hours, right, based yeah. on their cap situation. Without a doubt. And I'm not just blowing smoke, but it was a very good read. We'll tweet it out. For all those that didn't get a chance, if you're a Habs fan, make sure you go through this story 
by Eric Angles on where the Montreal Canadiens were and where they're headed. Angles, you and Bebo, it's just a match made in heaven. I love having you on. Thank you, and I'd be remiss if I didn't congratulate you guys on the nomination. What a year you guys had, and all the challenges, and everybody behind the scenes there. You guys know who you are. The cameras, everybody, producers, just tremendous. So congratulations on that. I couldn't agree more. Thank you very much, Eric Engels. Mentioning a little Canadian Screen Award nomination for the entire crew. Sure, Time class. for a break. Class. Oh, always class yeah. from Angles and DM Bebo. Uh, we'll continue to tee up the Leafs and the Habs. Get you set for Rogers' hometown hockey and some basketball talk on Sportsnet 360. Stick around, please. Arguing in the studio. Welcome back. Leafs counting down. Habs counting down. They're playing each other on Sportsnet. Haven't met since opening night when the Leafs won 2-1. Interestingly, the Bugs are just one in four on the road in other Canadian cities this season. They're giving up six goals at home on Saturday. Morgan Riley knows there's no room for some improvement. I think there's lots. I think, I mean, how we're playing defense has to get better, especially after rush. And, you know, we've been talking about that lately. So hopefully here tonight we're able to execute a little bit better and, you know, hone in on that area of the game. All right, so here's what we were arguing about uh, in the commercial break, and we'll get to it in a second, but I want to tee it up properly. The Calgary Flames were on the verge of two franchise records, one of them all-time wins. They had won nine straight in a row. We're looking for tying a franchise record at ten in a row. Also, Elias Lindholm had scored in seven straight games. He could tie a record with a goal today. It was tied 1-1, under a minute to go in the third period. This just happening moments ago. Johnny Gaudreau with the puck in the offensive zone throws it on net. Guess who? Elias Lindholm with the tip. Now they would review this goal. Matthew Kachuk makes contact with the keeper Connor Hellebach. The argument in studio was, <laughs> was he pushed by Dylan DeMello into Connor Hellebach? Now it is, keep in mind, as we show the save at one end by Markstrom, then they go back the other way. Keep in mind, it is Matthew Kachuk. So <laughs> there is a tendency not to give him the benefit of the this doubt when there is the collision. Here's the collision here. No. They no. review it. Lindholm, goal counts. And this push in front was deemed uh, either pushed in by DeMello or that Hellebuck had enough time to reestablish. Tyler Toffoli has added an empty netter and so the Flames lead 3-1. Jesse, agree with the call? I love it. As a goalie, love it. He had enough, to, well, I mean, he had enough time to reset, which right. is, I think, why they allowed the goal to stand. Agreed. So three, it's going to be 10 straight as they tick down right now in Calgary. The Flames, the hottest team in hockey. Speaking of hockey, it's time to send you to Rogers Hometown Hockey. Ron and Tara got you covers. They lead you into one of the best rivalries in all of sports. Leafs and Canadians, as for us, we will continue in 60 seconds on Sportsnet 360, a little NBA talk. Stick around or enjoy hockey. Your choice. 
so just to recap on this holiday Monday, NBA doesn't get underway until Thursday, so it was a blank slate on the NBA side of things. But President's Day in the state saw the Bruins beat the Avs in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, Hurricanes needed overtime to dispose of the Flyers. I was pretty entertaining on Sportsnet. And just moments ago, we went final in Calgary. The Flames have now won 10 straight, tying a franchise record set once in Atlanta. And a couple of years ago with Brian Elliott between the pipes for the Calgary Flames. Uh, so they do it for the third time in franchise history. 10 straight wins for Daryl Sutter's boys and fitting that Elias Lindholm gets the winner. He has been on absolute fire. Eight straight games with a goal, Jesse. That ties a franchise record set by Kent Nilsson and Gary Roberts. I know I gave all the flowers off the top of the show to Johnny Goudreau, but look at Lindholm. I mean, yeah, that's setting, setting records. And does Daryl Sutter get some buzz for Coach of the Year now? Jack Adams. I mean, without a bleeping doubt, yeah. he gets some like how buzz. Many, how many coaches, I want to ask you this, how many coaches uh, in the National Hockey League can you say for sure without doing research what you, you know what their strategy is? Like, you know... <laughs> What their tactics are, yeah. like you know, with Daryl Sutter, I mean, he, how they play, cops, right? Like that's so yeah. it adds to it. Yes, right. he, he's been around a long time. He's had success, but I just when I think of Daryl Sutter, I think of defensive hockey, and over time, it's been shown that it is a, it is a winning formula, and you're seeing it right now. This is what's happening with the Calgary Flames, and they're one of the best teams in the National Hockey League. Point blank. I was going to try and find uh, what the odds were for Daryl Sutter to Jack Adams. win the Jack Adams, but uh, you might get some value, although I think after 10 straight, that number is going to go down. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, bit tops in the Pacific now. Division, the Calgary Flames on a bit of a run. Really impressive. But we promised a little bit of everything yes. in this block, and I know that you got some basketball to you. Yeah, because uh, we missed over two weeks. We have a lot to talk about, even though it is a truncated show. Uh, the NBA All-Star Weekend wrapped up last night. I like that word? word yeah. The dunk contest was uh, widely considered to be a disappointment. No kidding. But Carl Anthony Towns winning the three-point contest and Steph Curry with a record-breaking performance. And LeBron James, game winner in Cleveland, provided some memorable highlights. Uh, Tim, yes. other than uh, the word truncated, what was your uh, favorite moment from All-Star Weekend? Uh, there are a couple honorable mentions, but without a doubt, it's got to be the NBA 75 celebration and see some of the greatest players of all time. I mean, it took too long. It was a little bit clunky, but who gives a bleep? Some mm -hmm. of the behind-the-scenes stuff that we saw, and then Michael Jordan making his way. A lot of people had suggested that Jordan wasn't going to be there, and we saw a lot of players waving on video mm -hmm. that weren't there. Carl Malone wasn't there. Steve Nash wasn't there. There were some awkward pinky fingers, uh, namely Tim Duncan, yeah. <laughs> Tim Duncan wasn't there. Uh, so there was an idea that Jordan wasn't there, but I never would have thought that Michael Jordan would get a better reception in Cleveland than LeBron James did, but I think that's what we saw. A six-time NBA champion and five-time league MVP, Michael Jordan. They went from Michael Jordan to Machine Gun Kelly. I know that's a little <laughs> bit of a... I think maybe they could have gone to someone else, you know, like Michael Jordan to LeBron mm -hmm. or Michael... But Machine Gun Kelly, I get it. I, 
kind of, sort of. Did uh, you see the tweet about Machine Gun Kelly? Which him running down this, the, the court? What the, about him? The, the one that said he looks like uh, an uh, NBA 22 character who spent too much of his VC on tattoos yeah. and not enough on his game. It's like Birdman out there, a much skinnier Birdman. That can't play. Yeah, I can't play basketball. Yeah. Um, I thought the aura around Michael, like, we don't see Michael Jordan very often. Like, we see him in the box sometimes with Correct. the Charlotte Hornets, but there's something, like, very different about seeing Michael Jordan in the flesh, like, on screen and interacting with other players. Like, I, I'm not sure I've seen um, a clip go as viral in a long time as just Michael and LeBron embracing each other. Like, that's it, just saying, like, hello for 30 seconds. And it's just, like, the two greatest basketball players of all time, and there's just a special aura around Michael Jordan. What about the clip of Michael challenging Magic to a game of one-on-one? -on -one? <laughs> yeah, did you see that I clip did see too? That was the back room. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. Um, I just listen. All-Star games aren't like everyone makes fun of All-Star games. Josh Donaldson had a quote about All-Star games earlier today that kind of sort of went viral. These are not for grown-ass people. They're for kids to enjoy. The, it, the whole thing is clunky and awkward and trying to get people to care about a game that they absolutely don't give a bleep about is never really going to work. Yes. But it's not for the hardcore fan. It's for kids. It's to have fun. And these kind of like watching, what did Steph take? Like 27 threes? Yes. I mean, okay. So but that's what it's for. It's not for fans out there to say, here's what the weekend should be. Of course, it's not perfect. It's never been it's no. never been good. It's never you never turned on the NBA All-Star game to watch competitive the, basketball. Literally never. The Pro Bowl, they're literally tagging, it's turned into two-hand touch. Yeah. It's not what it used to be. Just get over it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I wasn't like the Steph thing, I wasn't like super impressed by the amount of threes that he made because there's no defense in the game, but like the where he was shooting them from was the crazy part to me. Because right. I still and personally the fact haven't that he got he, on a heater yeah, that was absolutely that, like five ridiculous. in a row, yes. which was insane. But it's like he's shooting these balls from half court, and I still personally, I know we get used to everything and we're kind of numb to like crazy things these days. But I still haven't gotten used to Steph Curry just like stepping back from basically the logo of half court and making it rain like that. Like that is amazing and entertaining to me. Right. I don't think there's a better show, frankly, in sports than Steph Curry. And that was on display last night. Oh, that's a wonderful question. Is that a is that a is that a hot take? I mean, he's, he is. Like, would is you say there, he's the most entertaining in basketball? Is there a better show in sports right now than Steph Curry? Yeah, I think that's a a poll, it, or not a poll, but a. Right, let me ask you a engager? question. I wanna, I'm, I'm not I'm not trying to be a douchebag. Although whenever I question you, people think no, I no, am no. being a douchebag. No, I love no, you with it. all my heart. Bring I respect you. you. Likewise. I embrace you if it wasn't COVID. It's mutual. Are you being a prisoner of the moment by saying that, or do you really believe that? No, I I, I truly believe that. I think I, I don't think everything that he has done to the game is actually uh, a benefit to the game. I think no, because every revolution. Kid thing, yes, yeah, every kid it, it's like the Zegers thing. Yeah. Like I don't want to be uh, John Tortorella here and like, um, but watching him do what he does and the way he changed the game and him being the best at what he brought to the game, which he is. Like, mm -hmm. Trey Young came along, and everyone's like, oh, he's, he's going to rival what Steph... Nobody does what Steph does like Steph. And he separates him 
himself from everybody else yeah. because there is nobody that does what he there's, does. There's nothing. We've never seen anything like it. And as much as there are guys who have been freed up to do the things that he does, yes, they don't do it as well as he does. And it was really interesting to hear, listen, <laughs> say what you want about Reggie and, and Dwayne Wade <laughs> doing the play-by-play -play on that game. But one of the points that they made about Steph was, stood out to me because they two pretty good shooters, yep. two pretty good scorers. Reggie, obviously the great shooter. Dwayne Wade, obviously the great scorer. But what they were talking about was Steph's the best shooter in the game, okay? But also his ability to create off the dribble. Mm -hmm. Like he's not just, hey, run four screens, get them open, catch, shoot. Like he creates it for himself mm -hmm. with his abilities. And that to me is what makes, what sets him apart. Right. So, I, I mean... I'll offer it up. There are, listen, Shohei Otani is a wonderful show right now. Obviously, Connor McDavid is a wonderful show right now. But you can put Steph into that argument, and I won't, like, I won't say that you're crazy for saying that, but I didn't think I was going to hear that today. Yeah, I know we're the anti-hot take show. That might have might, might no, been a little bit of a hot take. Hey, you're allowed to have opinions. No, no. Like, it's a well-thought-out opinion, and it's valid. That's not a hot take. Okay, so Steph last night was clearly entertaining. Um, the dunk contest, oh my God. <laughs> not so much. I mean, you had a take on, on Twitter about uh, the dunk contest. Was this a hot take? No, I mean, we need something. We need to do something to the dunk contest because it sucks. The dunk contest should be like the Olympics, and they should hold it only once every four years. Like, I know the NBA can't say no to the bag that they get from the sponsor to do this thing every year. But if you held it every four years, don't you think that you would make it special again? Like you build the anticipation mm -hmm. and you try and get the best dudes to do it in the same competition. Do you think that you can uh, try other things first before you move it to once no, every four years? No, we've tried everything. Okay, okay. They're doing gimmicks. The guys, one guy's wearing Tim's. Okay, We've seen people jokes. wearing blindfolds. We've seen so people wearing Superman outfits. Like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar left. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar got up and left is, in the middle of the dunk competition. It's Jalen Green. I know that this is a different idea, but the reason why the one in Toronto was so special was because you had the best dunkers in the game in it. And how do you get the best dunkers in the game to compete? Don't have it every year. Yeah. Build some anticipation and have a couple guys who want to be known as the best dunker, like Zach Levine did, and like others in the past have wanted, at least early in their career, to be known as. And then you get them. So if it's every four years, you might get Zion in one of those. Mm -hmm. You might get Kobe to do more than a couple. I think he only did one. I would like to see them bring in uh, non-NBA dunkers. Have like a professional dunker go against uh, an NBA dunker. There's a million different things that Shout you can do. Shout out Jordan Kilgannon. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. If they bring Jordan Kilgannon, that would be fine for me. Um, or, I mean, I just, I just think that those professional dunkers are, it's a different breed. Like it's... Like they're going to beat Jalen Green, basically is what you're saying. Right. <laughs> yeah, they, they will beat Cole Anthony and his Tims. Correct. Yeah. Um, Correct. Who did you uh, feel worse for over the weekend? Uh, Scotty Barnes. Uh, the art of the uh, mid-range jumpers <laughs> lost on this generation, or Ray Allen? The thing is, is like his game, he's actually good at it. <laughs> yeah, not that night, though. Uh, the Ray Allen thing, for those who didn't see it, uh, KG standing beside LeBron James, Ray Allen introduced, 
and K Paul Pierce is clapping and KG is like it was almost the perfect situation to have KG beside LeBron James when Ray Allen who was part of the big three in Boston is introduced daps up LeBron and K like to see that these guys same thing with the Magic and Michael backstage to see that these guys are still competitive is amazing to me it's egos right yeah I mean that's what it is it's it's just you can't get like they won together they should be buddies but it's ego when you get to that level okay uh things got a bit heated and ugly in college basketball yesterday Juwan Howard Took offense to it. You're shaking your head. Took offense to a timeout being called in the final 15 seconds of Michigan's 77-63 loss to Wisconsin. Now, Howard and Badgers head coach Greg Gard exchanged some words before Howard threw a punch. Sort of. Sort of a punch. Open hand slap. A slap punch. Uh, Another member of the Badgers coaching staff. Uh, Tim, there's talk of Howard being suspended. And now we have breaking news that Juwan Howard has been suspended for the remainder of of the season, which is literally breaking as I was reading this question to you. So uh, is that justified? Uh, Dan Wetzel tweeting out right now, as Jesse was speaking, that he's been fired, or excuse me, <laughs> he's been suspended for the, people were calling season. for him to be fired, and he got suspended for the entirety of the season. Wow. Here's, here's the thing that not enough people are talking about. North Dakota State and Oral Roberts basically couple days before this game had the exact same thing happen. One team played to the end of the game. The other team didn't like the fact that the other team played to the end of the game. And they had a fight. The two teams came together. One of the coaches was pissed off. And no one said Jack because it's not a Power 5 conference. It wasn't on national TV. And dare I say, one of the coaches wasn't black. Like, there's a lot to this story. And I can't for me, I know that the punch or the open hand slap it was not changes punch. some of this, but I don't understand what the huge difference is between what you just saw between North Dakota State and what you're seeing right now between Michigan and Wisconsin, other than the level that it's at, is that much different. So yeah. you have to ask yourself, why is there such a huge discrepancy in what is the response from the general public and then from the uh, sanctioning body, in this case, the Big Ten? And for the remainder of the season, that's five games for Michigan. So it's yeah. not, it sounds, remainder of the season, very big. Five games, not that big. But yeah. still, a significant suspension. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess with five games left, that's sort of what I was expecting. Because if there were 20 games left, I would have said, okay, give them like, give them five games. It, what's crazy to me is that we can't, we literally, we just can't agree on anything anymore. But, because, but I, I asked, what, what's the difference? Like, that's, that's my point No, here. but the, 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 the other, they should be suspended too. You can't throw, like, you can't escalate to that level of physicality in, shouldn't be in sports, but like in college, you're supposed to be a, a leader of a team. You can't, you can't slap or punch people in the face. No, you can't, but bleep happens. And to act like bleep doesn't happen every once in a while, like so many did on Twitter last night, just seems to me like outrage for the sake of outrage. No, I agree. But don't you think that you have, you have to discipline 
like to, to avoid it happening in the future, it's a deterrent to then suspend somebody. Yes, but what's the difference between what we saw there is, there in is those none. two games? There is, there is none. And I, that's my question. I don't know. I, if, if you lay hands on an opposing coach in a handshake line or at any point of the game, like that, you should be suspended. That, that is it. Right. Like, shouldn't be fired, though. People were talking about Juwan Howard Ridiculous. being fired. And it was an open-hand slap. D. David Schultz, open-hand slap. Okay. Every once in a while, in the heat of battle, things happen. Okay, so you, you used to fight your brothers all the time. You tell me that, do you think when Juwan Howard was, like, throwing, it was mid-throw where he decided he was going to change it? No, no, you can see it. It was from the start. It was Charles Oakley style. We've talked to him like about Like a facepalm-ish yeah, type. It's a different thing. Right. Open hand slap is a different thing. You close that fist, you know you're in big trouble. Okay, one thing that people were doing to defend Juwan Howard in this respect was like they were saying that... Uh, Greg Coach, Gard. Yeah, Coach Guard like grabbed Juwan Howard first. But like if you watch any handshake line, a lot of times the handshake will no. consist of a no. hand no. and... No. He didn't like and, he didn't like that Juwan Howard was going to walk by him and he grabbed he him by the him. chest. He squared him up, and then so, he didn't like what he got when he squared him up. So then I'm if you're going to grab someone, I will not shake your hand. If what you're going to grab a grown ass man, sometimes things happen. Oh, I'm going nowhere near you anytime soon. That's for sure. <laughs> All right, time for one last break. We'll get to the last call, including a collaboration between the NFL and the XFL that could have been the XFL and the CFL, plus the headline of the Olympics. Back after this. I'm just saying, things happen. It's not that big of a deal. The rest of the season sounds a lot worse than five games. Welcome back. Our Monday tip of the cap goes to the Canadian women's soccer team who sit atop the standings after two matches at the Arnold Clark Cup. The reigning Olympic gold medal champs drew England 1-1 thanks to this absolute cracker from Janine Becker. Becky Becker, it's a different one. It's a fashion show. Anyways, Janine Becky, before beating Germany 1-0, Vanessa Gilles scored her first international goal. Canada can win the 14 tournament with a victory against Spain on Wednesday as the amazing run for the Canadian soccer program continues. All right, time now for Last Call, and we hand it over to Jesse Rubinoff for last game. I know Janine Becker. We've, we've said uh, the last, over the last couple Jeannie weeks. Jeannie Becker. Prior, what, is, what is the second one? <laughs> Jeannie Becker, you don't remember fashion television? She came on the show and helped Sid and I, 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 I break I, I down I the NHL remember. GM's right. fashion etiquette. It was one of the greatest Make moments me. of my life to Make have. Me. Jeannie Becker, but that's not Janine Becker. <laughs> kind of disrespectful to Janine Becky, so I apologize to Janine Becky. For we support. a rocket, a rocket. Yeah. Um, Left foot. We have said over the last few weeks before the Olympic break that we weren't going to talk about the MLB. We we're going to talk about the MLB until they have a deal. Yeah. They still don't have a deal. But but we have an update from the MLB and MLBPA negotiations. John Heyman reports that the two sides convened twice today. Over the course of five hours, Heyman says there wasn't a ton of movement, mm -hmm. huh. but still one of the better days, considering the last meeting lasted 15 minutes. We're moving in the right direction here, Timmy. Okay, we're gonna have a fight. Like the producers <laughs> all want to bring this up every time there is it's a better they're day. It's because baseball lovers. We have a lot worst of worst day or, and, I've been through this a number of times before. So here's how we're going to do it. 
We're gonna have a poll. Okay. Do you want us telling you whether there have been better or worse days when it comes to negotiations between the Major League Baseball Players Association and Major League Baseball? If you tell us that you want this update, I will give it to you. I can't tell you whether or not that seems like John Heyman is right. <laughs> I can read Evan Drellich. I can read Jeff Passan to you if you want. Just throw it out there. Do you want to hear whether or not it was a good or bad day, or do you just want to hear it's done? I'm writing that down. Okay. You write it down, put it out there, and they will let I us know. I have to be honest, that answer. The audience will let us know. That's, that's, that is the answer we want. Creates content, it's engaging, and it gets you fired up, so it's perfect. I see no harm. It is a big week for for Major League Baseball, though. They, it is. So they have a week to figure things. I out. understand that. I just this back and forth about how long it was. That's perfect. And Great what answer. the conclusion was to me is useless. Tell me whether or not it's done. Love it's it. all BS and spin. The world is full of BS and spin right now. Speaking of BS and spin, the mm -hmm. NFL and XFL. This is BS and spin. Well, the XFL is kind of. <laughs> no, it's not. Spin, is it? Uh, well, they have an agreement to collaborate on player safety and health data. Oh, that's, yeah, that's good, actually. The deal does not include player sharing for development, but will allow the NFL to experiment with proposed rules, new equipment, and to develop officials, which is critically needed. Tim, is this a smart move for the N yeah, NFL? Yeah, they've made themselves a minor league that works with the NFL, and that's what they wanted to do with the CFL, and it was to grow the game. And for me, it's a, listen, if it means that you have to change your rules, I understand why the CFL and CFL fans were worried about this, but if it's just about growing the game, The Rock, I don't know if you saw The Rock talking about I this. I did. Dwayne Johnson's did. a part owner of the XFL and its relaunch, and everything he says about the way they're going to do this league seems like it fits. They're not trying to unseat the NFL, they're trying to be complimentary to the NFL, and that's the way to go about it. The CFL should be doing the same thing. The NFL's happy about that because it didn't start that way. Um, okay. Uh, this is not a headline you see every day. Olympic cross-country skier Remy Lindholm spent just over an hour and 16 minutes in freezing temperatures in Beijing. This led to his, uh, you know what, becoming frozen. Tim, that's on Instagram. You were in Blue Mountain over the break. Do we have any issues? Like this? Like this. <laughs> Finnish cross-country skier suffers frozen penis in 50 kilometers. I didn't know if we were allowed to say that. That's a, that's a hard you know thing why. to do. Or that Austin Power scene is one of the best ever. Where they just come up with the, the Johnson. It's a flying Johnson. Does it say frosted tip on our screen right now? And George Costanza was worried about shrinkage. This guy froze it. That's very good. Is that font coordinator Neil Mattias? That, that does it for us. Maybe for a while. As a reminder, Leafs and Canadians are among the games that you can see tonight in the Sportsnet family of channels. We are done! Man, if there was ever a commercial for Hot Pockets, that was it right there.